Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the industries to find out how they're succeeding in today's ultra-competitive market. Today on the show, Francisco Neri from FBC Home Loans. He's based out of Atlanta, originally from the Dominican. And this young guy came and started working with us at our academy. Just love his energy, his focus. And initially, his business was primarily through some of the leads from his company. And he has since transitioned off that a lot and now is doing a ton of business on his own, especially through real estate agents. And so I thought, hey, let's have him come on and chat about some of the things that he's learned on his path to getting his business going. A couple of takeaways from this episode. First, he talks about how mindset was absolutely critical for him. Like he had to make a big mindset shift. If you guys listen to this show very much, you'll hear that all the time. Mindset, mindset, mindset. I honestly, it's 80% of the success. Your chances of success are 80% mindset. I believe that. In our Island B Mortgage Pros, we help new agents get their businesses going. And I would say 80% of the time, again, it's mindset that people get hung up on. So that was a big shift for him. And in particular, he said that he had to actually stop being, he said, so selfish. So it was really start thinking about what was best for his clients. And then he also talks about what his routine looks like to protect his mindset, which I think you guys are going to find very useful. Before we jump into this episode, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection and submission platform. They've got a couple hundred lenders on there. It's linked into something called Lender Spotlight, which is the first tool built for finding, you know, looking at lender guidelines. And it's very robust. You guys need to go check that out. We're a big fan of it. At our brokerage, we use it because honestly, it's just simple. It's easy for agents to learn and easy for clients. So check out finmo.ca slash ILMB. And if you're a new agent, maybe you're struggling with mindset and you're like, man, I feel like I'm not performing at the level that I could or what my potential is. Check out get10funding.com. So we have a very specific program. And, you know, one of the big things that we train on all the time, every week, mindset, 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 mindset. We have to continually beat that drum because you will only be as successful as your mindset lets you. And, you know, Francisco is a perfect example of that. And thanks again for checking out this episode. Hey, Francisco, welcome to the show. Scott, how are you? Outstanding, man. So tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Sure. So thank you for asking. Francisco Neri. I'm with FBC Mortgage, where my office is in Atlanta. I grew up in Orlando, Florida, which is where our headquarters is from. I was born in the Dominican Republic, came to Florida when I was a baby. So I do speak Spanish as well. I am 27 and currently in year Right. Awesome. And so what got you into the mortgage business? How did you end up, you know, getting into this? Sure. I totally fell into it. Growing up, I did not live anywhere where there was a mortgage. I came out of a little bit of a disadvantaged situation. So I really just had no exposure to it. I was a graduating senior. You know, I had a finance internship with Northwestern Mutual, which if you're not familiar with them, they are a really big insurance and investment advisory company conglomerate really here in the states and so i kind of knew i wanted to do something along those lines you know they had the lifestyle they dressed mm-hmm. like plenty of money i was like okay great but it's hard when you're baby faced i think it was like 22 at the time nobody was listening to me tell me i wanted to be the financial advisor too at 21 and i look 15 and you still look even though you're 27 they can't see you but you do look like you're you know yeah right, you do right, right. and so if i was like a savant and i was already super ready at that time maybe i could talk my way around it but you know, I was graduating. I wasn't even loving the coursework I was doing. And I just, I went to our career fair anyways. I had a buddy of mine, a very good friend of my sister, actually, who told me, you know, stop by our booth. His dad's actually an executive with us. And 
I went, they roped me in. I mean, I kind of fell in love right away. I interviewed the next day and then, uh, you know, did a couple more after that. And, you know, that was all she wrote. Right. That's awesome. And so did you start full-time, part-time? What was that transition like? Sure. So when I started, we have an academy at FBC and it's for people that are very new to the business generally. Experienced LOs will just kind of hop around companies like they do. So this is to take someone from how do you spell mortgage to what are the different non-QM products we have and, you know, pretty much everything between, you know, sales training, everything like that. And so that was 12 weeks, literally eight hours a day, five days a week. And that was for three months. And then once that ended, I got relocated here to Atlanta. I mean, I've been full-time. Did they move you here or did you move yourself there? Well, they told me I was coming here and they gave me a package. So okay, <laughs> they told, okay, I, so. I, had to, I had to figure it out. And were you on salary to start or commission only or how did that work? Cause like we've got listeners in Canada and the U S what that looked like. Sure. I don't know how unique this is, but with us, I was on, I did have a base at first. It was actually hourly, which is cool. And then it, switched to a salary and I was getting increased basis points. And then eventually it switched against uh, drawn commissions. And I went to like full commission, which is what I'm at now. How long did it take you to go full commission? I don't think it was a year exactly. I think it was maybe nine months. Oh, that's not bad. And so I've just had a curiosity. If you were to stay on the salary slash, can you stay there indefinitely or at some point? No, they, no the plan they, was always to wean us off and get us. They, yeah, the company's not like, hey, you're just going to sit here and like, this is basically so you can survive in order to get your business to become fully commissioned. But you couldn't stay there for two years, for instance. They'd be like, no. And there are people internally who are like team loan officers who they work under a senior LO. They might be getting something from the company and they're getting splits off the deals. And that's more of a. They're acting more like in a support role, though, not in a direct, yeah, like you're dealing with directly with consumers and stuff. Right. Well, they probably are. It's more like, you know, in the class or in the course, when you talk about the different models, it might be sort of that point card model. Yeah, right. The senior guy, the guy whose face is on everything is handing it off and, you know, someone else's. Is dunking, is under the hoop, putting it in. Okay. So was there any point you questioned, you've made the right choice? Is there any point you're like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I'm curious. Yeah. So... I would say there were two. One was when I made that shift to being 100% commission. I'm grateful though for it. But at the time I started off working under someone on a really high volume, very hands-on builder account where this was where I cut my teeth. It's a hard account. I'm not going to mention it by name, but any loan officer that hears about it will know. And it was tough. It was tough. They were low credit score very fast turn times. They were spec homes that were already built. And so we sort of had to figure them out and it was taking all of my time to do so. I was working pretty much every weekend as well. And I was in a city where I didn't really know that many people. I had no family here and I was really frustrated. And then when I switched from having that base to not having it, well, I'd spent all my time basically getting as many reps as possible. I mean, I did get to touch a lot of loans that I didn't have to necessarily originate but I wasn't getting the full commission on them. I was like the junior loan officer on those. Yeah. And then when they pulled the plug and I transitioned off of it, well, for about 90 days, that hurt. Yeah. To where I was like, uh, okay, I might have to make some decisions. Well, the thing is you're learning loans. So in those models, what I noticed is you're definitely getting lots of reps on loans, but what you're not learning is the business development side because you don't have time, right? Like you had no time to develop your business <laughs> because you're working weekends on these other loans. And so like you jam a lot of experience into a short period of time in terms of the 
process and underwriting, but it doesn't help you get your own business going. So you had 90 day period, right? Where you were like, oh my I, would gosh. Say, I would say it was like two to three months where I was like, this yeah. kind of sucks right now. But I was doing business development stuff as well, because I was never prevented from originating my own business. And just the amount of time that that obligation took, it was hard for me to mm-hmm. work the way I do now. But that was what saved me was I was in a closed referral, like networking group where there was like one of each person and they, you know, had started referring me business because I was developing those relationships and I was out at networking events and whatnot. So, I mean, even closing a deal or two a month on top of that brought me right back. And I was like, okay, I'm good now. This is, this is fine. Yeah. Nowhere to go from here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was there a point where you're like, okay, I got this. Like, this is it. I'm good. Like, do you remember a point where you went from, okay, I always saw like the valley of shadow of death. You're like, ah, this is it. And then was there a point you're like, okay, I think this is it. I've got it. Do you remember when that happened? Yeah, I would say probably, I said there was like a 90 day window. I would say probably 60 to 90 days after that. That was when rates tanked. I started doing a lot of refis and, you know, I had my first pretty decent month. And I was like, I had never seen this much money in my life. I was like, oh my God. You're like, what? what do I do with this? Yeah. And of course, me, I bought a bunch of dumb stuff and did not do anything responsible with it. But <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, you're still young, man. You know, don't do it at 57, but oh, 27, my, my saving grace is out of time to recover. That's what I was telling Yeah. But <laughs> that really motivated me. I was like, okay. Like, I was at the time, I was 25. I was like, okay, I didn't expect to be doing this at this age. And I had a good pipeline too. So it was like first month, I closed like, I don't remember what it was in volume. And I had a check and it was like 10 grand. I was like, Nice. Okay. And I look at my next month. I was like, this is good. Month after that. Okay. All right. We might be doing something here. Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, well, you know what? I kind of, you know, bang some away. And I was like, well, if I have another downturn, I'll just write it out and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. I was pretty fortunate in that I had access to a lot of resources, whether it was, you know, some databases we had, you know, I was starting to get my name out there a little bit more. And right. You know, also picking up so right so what surprised you the most with the mortgage business oh there are a couple of different things even though the margin for error is not very big like we really do have to be accurate we're gonna make mistakes period and it is equally if not more important to learn how to like adjust and pivot off of those than trying to totally avoid them because like if you're growing you're gonna make mistakes one of the things that you mentioned too was a big surprise to me. Learning how to do the job and learning how to grow and run the business are not the same thing at all. I think that like being a loan officer is like three jobs in one. It's like a sales and marketing person, like a deal making or with you guys, maybe underwriting and then like pipeline management, you know, and at scale, they're usually split up, but at the beginning, it's all you. And yeah, recognizing that those are different things and learning how to time block, compartmentalize, make sure that you're always doing them is important and then lastly like nobody does things the same way right i've always been kind of a plug and play person where i see something i like and i'm like okay i can imitate that model and i'm fine but i have noticed that like there's so many different variables as to where we get our business from what type of clients we have how we structure our day how we organize ourselves like that there's more than one way to be successful really right right but it takes a lot of trial and error too i mean even now i'm still experimenting stuff because I haven't a hundred percent found my model that like I can do with my eyes closed at the highest level yet. But I'm getting right. When I think about the mortgage business, there's kind of you touched on that. So you got I think of it like marketing. So that's attracting clients, sales, which is converting clients. So you you these leads you got if you can't convert them, they're I'm gonna go somewhere else. And then funding you know, and we're selling like a very technical product because there's a lots of nuance to it. And of course you can screw somebody's life up with the wrong choices, but 
So it's technical sales, but if you're selling a computer system, you're doing the marketing, the sales and the installs. And there's really the three kind of pieces as I've been thinking about this more, and you can be really good at installs, but if you can't do sales and marketing, you're never going to be a self-producing originator, right? Like you have to get that piece down. So which part did you enjoy the most? Which part do you like the most? Well, I don't want to say I'm natural in anything. I think even my social normalness is developed, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I would say sales. I like to talk to people, cut it up. I think if you can make somebody laugh, you can get their business. Yeah. That was always my thing. If I had the client laugh at some point, I'm like, okay, I'm good. And right. I would, you know, do anything I could to get that. Yeah. The underwriting part of it was definitely harder for me learning guidelines. And I feel like I'm like a fly sometimes. Like I, I'll fly into the window a hundred times before. I You're like, ding, ding, ding. It's like, oh, okay. You can't do this. Right, right. That's, right, that's... right, right. But once I get there, I memorized it until things change because they always change. I think the right. biggest challenge though really is balancing the two, staying organized because there's, yeah. let's say you've got a pipeline, you've got 30 active deals. They're all in different stages. They all have different nuances and you're trying to get new ones and you're still trying to, you know, maintain the relationships you already have. I think that's the hard part is right. start to get busy doing the things that got you busy. It is very easy for me to just sit there and work on loans all day, like a yeah. many times. And then I'll kick myself in the butt. I'm like, but then your pipeline starts to dry up, right? You're on the roller coaster, the yeah. loan officer roller coaster. So in terms of the, you said sales were your thing. So when did you come into our program? I can't remember when it was. Was it like six months ago, five months ago? I, I, can't I would say, yeah, yeah, five months ago or so, because right now we are about halfway through my second session. Right, your second quarter. So for you, what was your biggest takeaway that you got from, I mean, you're a US guy, you got a different model than some of our other clients. So what was your kind of biggest takeaway that helped you in your business? mindset by far i mean i went through a lot of the modules and they are extremely helpful for anybody who's watching this like there's definitely something that you can take away from it but for me it was mindset i needed to mature a little bit honestly both personally and professionally to really you know do what i need to do in this and making sure that i'm cognizant of what i'm doing and why i'm doing it on a daily basis and you know keeping track of my goals has put me in such a an improved headspace that now I can actually implement things that I want to try successfully for the right reasons. You know, one thing I've kind of come to terms with is a lot of what pushes people, especially salespeople that want to make a lot of money. Some of the things that we are attached to in terms of like our ethics and our motivations are negative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to work through those and really understand what success and happiness looks like in order to operate on our best selves because not even volume specific. How many high producers do you know that hate their lives? Oh, totally. Or they're complete, you know, burnout wrecks, or they're going to crash at some point because they're just flattered all the time. Right, right. Yeah. And so that's been my biggest takeaway is rather than finding shortcuts and tricks for efficiency and everything like that is, you know, developing myself to the point where I realize that I'm doing business for the right reasons to help people and that that's going to help me scale. And then I'll just improve things as I keep getting the capacity based on whatever I'm doing. What's your routine look like to keep your mindset sharp? Shout out to Steve D. Yeah, um, Steve D, man. He's the king of mindset. Phenomenal. One of the things he recommended in the first cohort was to try to use whatever downtime we have and make it productive. So one of the things I've been doing is listening to a lot of motivational stuff on YouTube. A lot, a lot. Like they'll have these 10 minute, 15 minute compilations with some epic music. You're taking a shower, you're going on a walk, you're doing your thing in the morning, whatever. Just put some good energy into your 
Oh, it totally just shifts everything for you, right? Exactly. And then when you go and you make the calls, oh, and give yourself a little bit of room to actually wake up too. If you're going to start working nine, don't wake up at eight, eight fifteen because you're you're not there yet. Yeah. And then it made it a lot easier for me to make my calls to just call and even if it's not business related, show some love to people. And besides that, I would say I've been journaling a little bit, which is something I've never done in my life before. But it's, mm-hmm. you get through your thoughts a lot more clearly when you write them out who would have known so i would say that that's pretty much it yeah as long as you have some kind of a plan like the key is just you've got some kind of a routine that keeps your mind because mindset leaks right like your focus leaks your mindset leaks and so if you're not always on it and you have a bad day bad file and you're like oh my gosh and then you can go into the spiral and be stuck in there for a week or two and that's not good it's huge too though yeah Time blocking. Um, haven't yeah. mastered it yet. I will admit I'm still working on it, but at least now I have identified that I do certain things better at certain parts of the day than others. Yeah. And I don't have it down to like a 15 or even a 30 minute yet, but I know that I get way more done if I make my calls early and if I structure my files early meetings, afternoon and all day, I can talk to people all day in the afternoon, but if I've been looking at loans all day after a certain point, my brain just doesn't right loses yep. a certain attention to detail that is required for that stuff. So I have to do it early. Yeah, Stevie D's good at that. He doesn't do anything till I think noon or something, no client meetings, and then everything gets done in the morning and then afternoons it's all just and he loves talking to people. So that those are easy, right? right. So that's a great model. Okay, so I have some rapid fire questions. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I was gonna say the whole kickboxing thing, you know that I, I like to kickbox, just had a competition recently. But if I stay active, that is probably going to change if you Google me. I'm a huge anime fan, I'm a huge nerd. Anime fan, really? I would not have guessed this. I love it, I love it. I've loved it since I was a kid. I'll literally sneak away in between meetings, like if I don't have anything to do, and I don't have enough time to do something else, I'll like read some of the comics on my phone. Right. Shameless about it though. That's awesome. <laughs> I care. That's cool. And then what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Jerry Maguire, especially mortgage people. Right. Watched it for the first time this weekend and I was like, wow, it was, it was really powerful stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like going against the whole like, hey, just he got fired, but you know, <laughs> but it worked out for him. He turned his life around and his business survived because of his integrity, integrity and actually caring. Caring for the people. Yeah. Yeah. The big client that he wanted at the beginning of the movie basically looped around and came back to him and fired the other guy. Yeah. So like, why don't we have a relationship like that? I was like, wow. That's how you want to run your mortgage business. Yeah. So you're somebody's mortgage slogan, we complete you. You know, I'm just kidding though. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's one tool or tech that you like? What's some tech that really helpful for you? Zoom. Here we are. For me, I love being on Zoom with my clients because I can show them what's behind the curtain. I do not get shocked as much if I go over pricing with my clients when they can see it. Right know exactly why that is if it's a trust factor or if they realize that. i want you to say that one more time because someone listening to this you've touched on exactly you got to show people so what happens when you show people versus yeah. just tell them they literally do not shop me as much if i have the opportunity to have them apply do the loan consultation where we're going over loan structure and i'm asking the questions and then i get to show them what i'm looking at when i say okay here's where pricing is here's where your payment's going to be and you know i'll even explain discount points and premium pricing because it's an, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, it's like next to impossible to concisely explain over the phone. Yeah. And they trust me. And then when we have a pre-approval out and they go under contract, I just kind of update them a little bit. Okay, here's where the pricing's at today. You know, I told you they move a little bit. And they're like, okay, cool, let's do it. Yeah. That's it. 
That's awesome. Okay, anything else that you use? Any other tech? I mean, I'm kind of basic besides that, my Outlook email and calendar. We also have a CRM that's pretty good. Aside from other basic CRM functions, it does send automated updates to my clients and my partners when loans move through the process. Like if I sub we submit something to processing, once appraisal comes back, once something's conditionally approved, when we get a clear to close, final approval, you know, they're getting emails, the realtors are getting emails and text messages. So it does automate some of the communication for me, which I love. Right. Keeps you in touch. That's good. All right. So what's the uh, best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? Go after the listing agent. Go after the listing agent. The best time to ask for business is at the closing table when everyone just got paid. Go after the other agent. So what do you do there? What kind of strategy do you employ? I go in there and make them laugh and ask them to get coffee with me. Right. You're doing it live. Do you go to every... Uh, I try. Every so I go to as many as I can. Right. Because sometimes the sellers are there and I have gotten a deal off a referral from a seller. Right. Which is them to laugh. So if you're not funny, take improv. <laughs> I've heard improv is really good though for communication. Like, I mean, that's like the, one of the highest levels of being able to think on your feet and like, you know. I believe it. I mean, a good comedian, it's rare that you see them trip up even when they go off script. Even with somebody, yeah. But you can imagine if you got good at improv that there's nothing that you couldn't handle. Yeah, you can even do them online. Improv now, classes. Improv classes. So, okay, knowing what you know now, is there anything you do different if you're starting over again tomorrow? I'd focus a lot more on the mindset thing, for sure. Aside from experience, one of the other things that definitely helped me back was like some limiting beliefs, for sure. And I would have gotten with you guys earlier. There is a big difference, y'all, between having a mentor and having an involved coach. Right. Mentors may not always have the capacity to be that involved and keep you accountable for the things you say you're going to do. Sometimes it's just, you know, someone a lot more experienced than you, you can turn to if you have questions, but on a day to day coaching really helps. I would also go hard with the social media a lot earlier. I yeah. gotten out of my own way mentally now to where I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And that is one thing that I may have missed out on a little bit. You know, not only is it the future, if not the present, but like making content forces competency. Hopefully right. you have figured out what it is you're going to talk about and you're accurate when you're making it. So, you know, from a development standpoint, I think that that's really good for people who are comfortable with the idea of, you know, going that route. Yeah. One of the things I've thought about a lot when it comes to social media is be a creator, not a consumer. You've got to consume very small doses of it because it's a massive time suck. But if you're a creator... That's a different story, which is what you're saying. You've got to get on there, but that doesn't mean you're on there just like, you know, wasting time watching TikTok videos. So where can people find you online, Francisco? I would say just fbchomeloans.com slash fnary, which is my company's website. I had actually gotten rid of a lot of the business social media because I wasn't using it. I have over the weekend started revamping it. So not ready to go yet, but it will be. They can find you if they look. So. Thanks, brother, man. It's exciting to see what you're doing and your, even your fights. I'm interested to see how your next fights go. So talk soon. I'm honored to be here and humbled that you uh, had me on the call today. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.